Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day you are listening to this podcast. Welcome to the Define Your Success podcast brought to you by me, women's long jump Olympic finalist, Abigail Irosaru. I am so excited to bring to you this series of episodes titled The Athlete's Experience. So making the decision to retire is is against all of those thought patterns and habits that led to success anyways. Welcome to this episode on retirement from sport. I'm putting this out there because one, it's a topic near and dear to my heart, having personally experienced this in 2016 due to injury. Two, there are athletes going through this all the time maybe due to injury like me, other circumstances or choice. But we are all challenged with the same questions of what's next or who am I now when retirement comes up. And three, there is wisdom in here for friends, family and the performance team of athletes going through retirement to help support that journey more effectively. This is the first of two episodes on the important topic of retirement. They are two very different conversations with different transitions out of the sport, perspectives and stories. So I hope you enjoy this one and look out for the next episode because they really are worth the listen. I'm genuinely really pleased with the wisdom that comes out of these conversations. So let's meet Curtis Beach and please excuse my awkward laughter at the start of this episode. I'm excited to have you on. How are you doing, Curtis? I'm good. Doing awesome. Happy to be here. (laughs) thank you so much so of course you this podcast um episode is really talking about the athlete retirement journey the the emotions that come along with that and also kind of the idea i want to inspire and encourage and equip people athletes in particular to know how to prepare for retirement how to do it the positive way, because I have personally experienced retirement and returned to the sport, and that's just a totally different story. But now you are, um, you've recently announced your retirement. So I'd love to hear about, yeah, your thoughts, your feelings about having made that transition. Yeah, so it was very, it was very difficult. Um, You know, I think there's a big part of you that any athlete, any elite athlete, that has a huge desire to persevere and always overcome any challenges that come your way. And retirement, in a sense, is saying, I'm going to give up to some extent. It's saying, like, no, almost, there's very, very few people who accomplish everything they want to accomplish. And so for the vast majority of athletes, you have to, in a sense, give up on your dreams to do something else. And coming to terms with making that choice and saying, I'm not going to persevere is incredibly challenging. And, you know, I went back and forth for a long time until it just made sense that I could still have other goals in different places and pursue it with the same intensity. Wow, that is so deep. I just needed a moment <laughs> to really digest that. The key words there being giving up, you know, choosing not to persevere. And, you know, you went back and forth in this decision for a long time. How long is a long time? 
about a year um really my first thoughts of giving up the decathlon was like after the 2016 olympic trials um i was really feeling burnt out and then that in uh let's see in 2017 i didn't do the decathlon i did the 400 hurdles in 2018 i came back to the decathlon uh but i was still really feeling like it was more of a burden instead of something i was excited about and i thought maybe that's because i was just injured a lot uh but then at the end of when everything shut down for the pandemic um i just said all right i don't have to train for the decathlon for a bit i could just do whatever i want to do so i did a lot of trail running i explored other interests that i didn't have time for um and at the end of the day, I just had more fun doing that. And that's, that yeah. was a kicker. Yeah. I absolutely love that. And I feel like I've obviously done you a little bit of a disservice by not properly introducing to you to the audience. Um, I know you so well as Curtis Beach, the incredible decathlete, American decathlete. But um, why don't you introduce yourself properly to, to the audience? Oh, no, it's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. Um, so I would say like my proudest moment was qualifying to the 2016 world indoor championships. And I think that was my, my best accomplishment. Um, ever since I was a young kid, like I started running when I was seven, when I was 12, I, I knew I wanted to run professional track. And then by the time I got to 14 and 15, I took it extremely seriously and devoted everything to the combined events. Um, and so I think we were at the same world youth championships, I think. Oh my goodness. That is so true. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. At the 2016 world indoor championships, did you finish fourth there? I finished fourth. Yeah. That just, it, it, it was awful. It, it, it was really awful. I mean, it was, it was bittersweet. Like it was so great to be there, but, um, what's funny is the higher and higher you go up, it's not like you ever feel like you made it. You just feel the intensity of the highs and lows much more it's like amplified the higher you go so like at the national level it, it meant a lot but then at the world level i was so happy to make a world senior team and yet i was so crushed when i barely missed the medal and uh and that was a that was a discovery of 2016 but um but yeah i mean i i uh you know went to duke i won two ncaa championships over there those are huge huge goals I wanted to accomplish. Um, you know, I, I did well in the throws. I did well in the jumps, not so well in the throw or yeah, well in the jumps and the running events, not as well in the throws. Um, and then did the 400 hurdles for a bit, did the 800 for a bit, ran 49 and 147 in those. And then, um, my best ever decathlon was 8,084 and heptathlon was 6,190. At this point, I asked Curtis to share more about the Fair Play Award for exemplary spirit displayed in a competition, but I stumbled over all of my words, so let's just skip ahead to his super articulate answer. I think the big thing with 2012 was uh, was Ashton getting the world record, and I let him win like, at the very like at the last event. I didn't let him win, obviously, at a decathlon, but the uh, um, I was in front of him and let him go past, which. I didn't realize that was going to be as big of a deal as it was, but apparently that's kind of. That's how a, you won the award. <laughs> that's how I won the award. And 
I mean, the thing is, like, another candidate for the award, here's a funny story, real quickly, is I think it was this speed skater who was a surgeon, and one of the athletes fell and his blade, like, cut his leg, and then after the race, this is in the prelim, he helped stitch his leg back together, like the wound, and then he ended up getting beat by that guy in the final. And so, like, that, in my opinion, totally should have won the Fair Play Award. (laughs) So I don't know how I won it, but I won it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because track and field, the Olympics, is pretty renowned. Yeah. Um, so, so it was a big deal. But do you know what? I really do want this because I'm sure that you've done a lot of, you've had a lot of conversations about your athletics career. People can totally Google about you as Curtis Beach, the the athlete, the how you transitioned from decathlon into 400 meters, or was it 400 meter hurdles that you mm-hmm. tried your hand out and the 800 meters. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really interested to hear more about this, um, this new life beyond athletics, beyond track and field as an athlete and um, in coaching. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, coaching is something I've felt I've always would be pretty good at, but wasn't sure if I was, would like it. And so this fall, I, you know, and I, I didn't even know if I'd be good at it either, but I had a feeling I might. Um uh so in the fall i started really seriously coaching the duke track team um as a volunteer so mostly working with the multi-eventers and honestly it was just exploring those interests i started doing one-on-one personal training with high school athletes um i don't know if that's a term in the uk high school but you know what age is that high school it's like 15 to 18 yeah, there's like secondary school. Secondary school, college, that's what I was looking for. College level, well, college yeah. um, in the UK, college in the US is more like university. University, <laughs> yeah. So secondary university athletes primarily. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly felt uh, like I, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely a learning curve. There's definitely different things that I didn't realize I needed to learn as far as understanding different like body language and programming for different athletes. But like, um, that is I had a so, good time. I'm going to interrupt you. And this is, I hate when people do this, but I do apologize because I'm really interested to know kind of what worked for you. Have you find that, found that been a little bit of a challenge in how you've approached coaching? Have you tried to implement your training program? Um, with the athletes that you've been coaching or have you diversified it a little bit? So uh, the programming is done by the head track and field coach at Duke. So I actually don't do much programming, uh, but I do execute a lot of the workouts. I do a lot of the technical training. And one thing that I've done on a side note is I started working on this web app for, it's a team communication thing. So it's an app the track team will log into and they'll have like a virtual bulletin board with like the workouts and they have another menu of all the circuits. And I used a lot of like Dan Paff circuits with his permission. So it's like one tab is like coach communication. The other tab is just the whole inventory of the circuits and how to do them. And that's been extremely fun is to develop a tool that the team could use as I coach. So the coaching would be like, the research and development lab like i would just 
figure out what needs to be built and then I'd come home and like actually build this tool. So that to me, I was having way more fun doing that than just training for myself. Uh, what were the main factors contributing to your retirement decision? Obviously you mentioned the lack of having fun, there's no joy in it anymore, which surprises me a lot because I remember our conversation from 2015, I was just reflecting right. back on those notes and on the blog that I wrote about that. And you said that you gave yourself as a 10th birthday present, a 10K run. Don't know whether you remember that. So like, (laughs) so to go from this person, this young kid who absolutely is in love with running, is in love with the challenge, you you love the idea of challenging yourself to be better. Do you feel like retirement is a reflection of that? Do you feel like what your decision to go from athlete into a new world is a reflection of you finding fun, you finding challenge again? Yeah, so I think there's a difference for me between running for the love of it and competing at an international level. So the same joy I've had since I was 10, it's still there. Like I'm still going to run, I'm still going to do road races, I'm still going to jump in workouts. Um, but I don't want to dedicate my entire life anymore and make the sacrifices necessary to compete at the level that, you know, you and I have in the past. Um, and so that's the difference. Like I'm not at a place anymore where I want to make those major life sacrifices for the sake of the sport. When I feel like I haven't really been progressing the way I've wanted to. But we know that we're always going to have to make quite a few sacrifices in life. So do you feel like your decision, you know, to go into coaching now, will you be making the necessary sacrifices to excel in that? Will you put that same competitive energy that you've taken from track and field into this new like walk of life? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, that and safeguard against the same reasons why I might have gotten burnt out in the first place, because I think I'll have the tendency to fall into the same trap if I don't recognize what led to feeling burned out, you know? Um, and maybe, you know, maybe I just needed something fresh, but, uh, but for sure, like I'm an all or nothing type of person and, uh, you know, I can't just kind of do a little here, a little there. It's like everything into one thing. So I was just looking to the side at my notes and mm. I noticed that you posted on Instagram or you might oh, yeah. have posted on your other social media places as well earlier about, um, you know, re- asking people, what do you want to hear from me? What advice do you want? And a lot of comments mentioned youth development tips yes. and advice. So, you know, you've already kind of touched on that a little bit, but could you t- delve a little bit deeper into the advice that you might give to your, your younger self and the younger athletes that you work with now and will be working with in the future? Yeah, uh, I would say the biggest mistake I think younger athletes make, and I might have myself, is only focus on one sport. You know, you got to do multiple sports. Like, have fun. Uh, honestly, like, I'm not sure if that athletes or kids need as much advice as the parents need advice to be honest you know it's fun like keep it fun it doesn't have to be serious you don't have to train your kid to be an ncaa scholarship athlete when they're 11 years old you know 
Um, let them choose what events they want to do. Let them choose what sports they want to play. I think parents, in a sense, a lot of times get in the way of athlete development um, by being so extremely invested in the results so early on. Uh, so fortunately, I like my parents never put any pressure on me for anything, like whether it was a good race, bad race. We never talked about, you know, like they never said I was, they were disappointed in me after a certain performance or anything like that, or I should have done this better. And it was always just like next time, or we're proud of you or like all that. And it was all always positive. So, um, there isn't much I would change from my youth development purely because it came from me and my parents allowed the space for that to happen. I absolutely love that. So uh, I think you will obviously make a wonderful coach being able to have those very honest um, and positive conversations with the parents or guardians of those students just to make sure that they are well equipped to succeed, not just in athletics, but in life and to preserve that mental, positive mental well-being, especially we're in the midst or towards the end, hopefully, of this this pandemic that has really affected people's mental health. And I appreciate this. Mm-hmm. A, I feel like this is a bit, a little bit off topic. Um, but yeah, I just actually no, it's not. I'm going to relate it to the retirement aspect. How has your mental health been during this um, past year? You mentioned you know you you were able to have a little bit more fun doing different things um and how um how do you feel that your mental health has been affected by this retirement decision whether it's a positive or a negative thing uh i think the pandemic for me from a mental health perspective and personal life perspective was a positive uh because it forced the end of a season that I don't think I could have made myself and allowed me a whole bunch of time and space to just explore different things without trying to qualify to a certain meet. Um, So I think, so the the pandemic, when when everything shut down in middle of March, uh, obviously globally, it's not a good thing at all, like a terrible thing. But for the changes that it made in my life uh, that I couldn't have made myself, like shutting down the season and, and exploring different interests that I, I wouldn't have done had the season been uh, completely underway, uh, allowed me to explore different things and have a completely different schedule. Like I would wake up and start learning or coaching or, or something else besides thinking about training and having months and months to do that. Uh, without the worry or stress of where am I going to be uh, athletic-wise, in the end was was a very positive experience and helped me move to this place in my life where I can let go of competing and and start something new. I think you've mentioned some really excellent points just there and also at the start where you talked about giving up and no longer pushing through and persevering and kind of forcing the end of a season. I feel like I experienced those same feelings of you're kind of being forced to stop um, by circumstance, I guess, as opposed sometimes as opposed to personal choice. So for me, what led to my retirement in 2016 was an Achilles tendon rupture. 
And for you, it was literally the uh, the stopping, the lockdown of everything globally, no access to a track, no access to coaching and the support that you need. Um, so do you ever think that, or have you ever, do you know of people who have retired by choice as opposed to circumstance? And what is your perspective on that thought? Uh, well, I think one that sticks out is Ashton Eaton. You know, he was at the top. He had no injuries. Brianne Tyson as well. Uh, None that I know of. He just won an Olympic gold medal. And both of them pretty independently decided they wanted to stop. You know, maybe part of it is because they got to achieve just about everything they wanted to achieve. You know, world record and a title and every like where else are you gonna go from there, you know? Um, but what I found interesting and also pretty inspiring is how decisive both of them were. Like for me, I flip flopped all kinds trying to make this decision, and for them it was like, yeah, no, we're gonna do this. And like once it was made, like it was a done deal. Like that was the decision, and. Uh, and I think that's kind of how it should be is when you make a decision, you make it deci- decisively and you commit to it. So. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's kind of like ripping off a bandaid or plaster, as we say in the UK. So yeah. you just want to do it swift and efficiently yeah. make that decision, be very clear and firm about it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's, that's definitely a top tip. Any other top tips to make, the retirement journey smoother happier healthier <laughs> more joyous <laughs> that's hard uh yeah it's just i think it's a it's a hard question for anybody who's so invested in what they're doing because persistence is so ingrained and it's a it's a very key trait to have if you're going to be successful at all so you, you know so in a sense, you're almost overriding years of of habit, of pushing through and 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 believing it's possible. Like, because what kid, you know, chances of making an Olympic team or a world championship team, it's so unlikely that we're naturally optimistic about what we can do, even in the face of uh, of odds that are stacked against us. So, so making the decision to retire is, is against all of those thought patterns and habits that led to success anyways. So I think the first step could be like one, recognizing that and two, just seeking support from others to see the bigger picture and what really makes sense and know that you could still, uh, you know, explore and like ingrain some of those thought patterns in a different avenue. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Absolute wisdom right there from Curse's speech. I really appreciate that. So just two questions that um, that following on from what you just said. The first is, who, who was your support team that gave you that perspective, that gave you that clarity and, and that belief that it's okay to stop now and we can move into something new? Uh, I think number one was my family and my parents. Uh, I didn't feel like I was disappointing anybody when I made this decision. And that was really important. So, uh, so my mom and dad just being very happy and proud of me, like whatever I decided, uh, 
was was very big because I felt like it was my decision. I didn't have pressure to live up to what other uh, anyone else wanted of of my life. You know, um, you know, coaches gave me that perspective. Other athletes and friends and uh, you know, and also just the experience of trying other things. You know, um, that was big. So yeah. I think you've always been somebody who, who tries other things. You've already mentioned like these tech vent, this tech venture that you <laughs> created know, yeah. with Duke, but you've also um, created other apps in the past, have you not? Or yeah, worked yes. on other apps? Yeah, so so I I, uh, I made a stopwatch app where you could um, time multiple athletes on the same watch and categorize each athlete individually instead of just have it all jumbled together on one stopwatch. So, Great. Yeah, I mean that that's only on an Android. I don't even know if it works anymore. It got really buggy, <laughs> and I, I couldn't maintain it. It just wasn't making enough to justify the time and money spent on on maintaining it. Um, so I have it's still on the Google Play Store, but like I have no idea if it like works. It's not on the Apple Store anymore because it just got buggy, and I I just stopped maintaining it. But yeah. wow, that's incredible. I don't know whether you remember this, but in an interview probably about ten years ago. You said that one of your dreams was to become the CEO of USA Track and Field. So you're smiling. I'm sure you do remember that. Are you on track? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, that was in 2009. That was that was uh, at the end of high school. And there have been some some people like close USA Track and Field mentors that uh, have kind of kept that dream alive a little bit and believe that, that I have a chance at doing that. But what I have discovered about myself is I really enjoy working in a small team without any red tape that's involved with a large organization. And I don't really enjoy the politics involved and USA track and field and, and the global like federations is almost nothing but politics and behind the scenes you know like what happens on the surface isn't really what happens like behind the curtain and um and i really don't enjoy that part of it but i do care a lot about track maybe enough to justify you know going through the pain of that whole process um so i know i didn't answer your question it's on my mind but not something i'm actively striving for right now what I love about this and what I love about uh, this discussion with you is just that idea of trying different things, of being unafraid, like you are very well aware of what your strengths are, what you your perceived weaknesses are, and how to play to those. So I love that really honest, refreshing answer. He wasn't like, yeah, of course, I'm going to continue to pursue that. It was just really, really clear and very honest. <laughs> so I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I have a final one actually. Sure. Where will you be in 10 years time? We oh, are man. in on um, the 20, well, let's say it is May 2031. Where will you be? Well, what will you be doing? I, the honest answer is I have no idea, but I hope my, my biggest hope, what I'm super inclined with right now is I can have an idea that's in my head. I'm trying it out. Like I have this track team app. I have this this one, This I didn't mention it. It's this food app where you could pick what recipes you want for the week. It'll give you a grocery list. Anyways, that's a mini pitch. But um, 
I want to take something that's in my head, make it, sell it, grow it, you know, have a some team and have a sustainable business from something that starts just by dreaming about what something could be like creating something out of thin air, building it and whether it's selling it or, or making a tool that people can use and love. Like that's, that's what I want. Yeah. And that's, and I believe that I will see that in 10 years time because you have that personality. You're all about working hard. You're all about the challenge, um, the thrill of the chase. I believe that the article that I wrote about you was uh, titled, I think awesome. just because, you know, you just, you're not afraid to go after what you want, what you want, and you're not afraid of hard work. So I'm really excited to, to see that and track that Thank progress. You. I just have a couple of rapid fire questions because I feel like everybody is doing this in podcasts. Okay. So uh, you're going to be familiar with a couple of these and some of these may be new to you. So uh, define success. Uh -huh. I don't know if I could do rapid fire questions. I'm such an overthinker. Uh, success is um, impact. I don't know. Impact and fulfillment. Um, define resilience overcoming challenges what's your favorite food uh biscuits and gravy or or a breakfast burrito from new mexico okay what book have you read at least once or twice more than you know two or three times zen golf okay why it's a it's a great talk about mental resilience it's a great mental training book it's for golfers but could be applied pretty much anywhere any, any sport yeah. Oh, okay, Zen great. That's kind of right like the, in a game of tennis, which I <clears throat> I, I, I love book in a game of tennis, but obviously it's not just about tennis. You can apply it across sports. Yeah. So I love these quick bio questions. So what event would you add or remove from the decathlon and why? Uh, no one would want this. I would add race walk. <laughs> I would add race walk. That's the only <laughs> piece that's missing. Like... You have jumps, runs, throws. You don't have any walking. I would add race walk. Oh, wow. All the race walkers are going to be cheering <laughs> at that. Over what distance? Over That's a... distance. <laughs> I feel bad that I said no one would want this. I mean, there's nobody Catholic that <laughs> But that, that completes the full realm of athleticism, I think. Or something okay. with hand-eye coordination, maybe. I don't know. But. Oh, thank you so much. I've really appreciated this, Curtis. It's been so much fun to talk to you. Yeah, we'll thank see you. How it, goes. it was fun. It was really yeah. fun. Thanks so much for listening to Define Your Success, a podcast about living with excellence, joy, and resilience from an athlete's perspective, applicable to all. Please subscribe. And if you like what you're listening to, please share and give us a review. Links to relevant blogs, videos, and other growth activities are in the show notes. Until next time, stay blessed.